The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. everyone welcome to the barca blagranas podcast the best barcelona podcast that nobody listens to i am joined as usual by my friends my co-host my editor renato how you doing man i'm doing great how are you i'm doing pretty good i am uh i'm back off of my my short leave um had a kid did not name them um despite all of the uh the people who wanted me to name ernesta after our favorite manager i did not name my kid ernesta <laughs> I, uh, I, I stayed away from that one. Didn't want to, um, you know, have a lack of strategy and have a boring child. So I want something a little more creative. Um, but anyways, let's get into it. So Lino Messi won another Ballon d'Or this week. Uh, there was, there wasn't really a ton of, I guess there was some question going into it, whether or not he would take first place. I mean, it was kind of assumed that it was between him and Van Dyke. Uh, there were, there were always, you know, the Ronaldo fans were lurking in the comments across the interwebs saying that he had a chance, but it was really between Re- Messi and Van Dyke. Messi won, and then the votes came out, and it was apparently just seven points, and then there was a there was a larger gap between Van Dyke and Ronaldo, and then between Ronaldo and Sadio Mane, and on and on and on. But that difference is pretty tiny, and I, I guess I don't really know, and maybe you can explain this for me and, and the listeners, how the Ballon d'Or voting works. Like, is a point considered one vote? Is that kind of how it works? To be honest, I don't know. Okay. Let's just assume uh, it's some some collection of, you know, I vote for this person for first place, second place, and third place, and it's some, it's some yeah. accumulation of votes. But either way, with the numbers in the mid-600s, seven points is pretty small. Yeah, it's it's like uh, I I saw on Twitter it was 0.3 percent, which which to me it sounds more dramatic than seven points uh, when you think about that. Um, so yeah, pretty pretty pretty. It, I I think it was the 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 tiniest margin ever, the smallest margin ever for a Ballon d'Or vote. So. Yeah, and I think, let's see, Sadio Mane came in fourth, and then Mo Salah came behind him in fifth. And the total points, Messi had 686, Van Dijk had 679, and then poor Ronaldo was 200 behind them with 470. Jeez, yeah, okay, so 0.3% makes it definitely a lot more significant than seven points, especially since we don't know what the points are. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. So. Okay, and then... Okay, and then Messi won. Let's see. So this was was this his fourth award that he won over this break? Yes, it was. Holy crap! Yeah. So he won. I'm trying to find the list. He won three of the last four Golden Shoes, and then he won um, the FIFA the Best Award and the Ballon d'Or in the same year. I think he he didn't get the Golden Shoe though. Ronaldo still had that in 2000. Did he get the Golden Shoe this year? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So he did. Wow. Okay. So yeah, Messi's won everything this year. I mean, does this change his place in history or not? I mean, I think you have already made comments before that you think he's the greatest footballer of all time. At this point, his numbers in terms of award wins are just kind of—they're so 
large at this point. Like he could win two more or he could win zero more. And I don't know if it necessarily does anything for him. I think the only thing that ever that's ever questioned about his resume was his international football achievements. But even that is, you know, whatever. Does this Ballon d'Or change his place in history at all? I don't think it changes. I think it just cements it. Um, I think every award is just another reminder that he is the best and no one's even close. So uh, I don't know how many more uh, Ronaldo's going to win. I don't know how many more Messi's going to win. And I don't really care about that rivalry as much as I did uh, early in my life. I think I grew grew up uh, and I grew out of that rivalry. Uh, but I think it, it was important for him to break the tie. He said in himself that he was he was bothered by now the um, tying him last year. Um, both had five each, which is insane, by the way, that they won um, the Ballon d'Or 10 years in a row. <laughs> they shared it between each other. Uh, so I think it was important for Messi himself to, to kind of get back uh, the lead. Um, but I also think at this point of his career, he's more interested in the uh, team awards, uh, the team titles, because I think he also knows how much that impacts um, his legacy and what people would think of him. Uh, I think he has one more real chance to win an, an international trophy, which is the Copa America next year, which most of it is going to take place in Argentina. Uh, so I think Messi really wants to win that. But uh, I think, I don't think it changes for me. I, I already thought it was the best um, ever. And this one just confirms it for me um, that, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard for anyone in the history of the game, anyone who came before him and anyone who's going to come after him to not only win as much as he did, have the numbers and the awards and the accolades and the titles, but just his talent and his ability to impact the game week in and week out in a way that only he can in the history of the sport. Yeah, and I think this also leads into your next question, which is how many more can he win? And I, I kind of want to tack onto this question. How do you see Messi sort of fading into the... Because I think, I mean, his production doesn't necessarily make it seem that way, but his age is indicative of the fact that he is in the latter stages of his prime, heading into a post-prime career. What do you see that looking like for Messi? And I don't mean necessarily like, is Messi going to leave Barcelona? Because I don't think he is. But what does that look like in terms of the way he plays football? Like, is is that him transitioning to a slower, like, you know, central midfielder role and potentially just being more involved in the distribution of the ball? Or does it still involve him being on the wing, just playing slower? How do you see Messi's transition to a post-prime career looking? And will that lend itself to more Ballon d'Or awards? I mean, you can make the case that he was already a midfielder last year and he won the Ballon d'Or. So <laughs> that's just ridiculous. Um I think I don't think we're going to see a crazy drop off from Messi. Um, what I do think is that his body is more uh, it's more prone to injury. Um, he's had a lot more injuries in the last two or three years than he's ever had. So I think that's kind of slowed down, um, not his production, but just like he's not as fast as he, he used to be. He can, you know, he can make those crazy runs five or six times a game like he used to. 
Now it's just one every two games, one every three games. He had a crazy, crazy, crazy run against Aleki. That should have been a goal by Griezmann. And that was just a reminder um, that he can still do it. It's once or, tw- once or twice game, but he can do it still. But I do think he is more of a playmaker now than he's ever been. Um, he's not interested in scoring as much, but he still scores more than everybody, which he, he did last season too. So, I Do you think, think the abundance in scoring, though, um, somewhat, and right, some of it isn't, some of it just comes in the run of play, but then there was the sort of goal in the Atleti game over the weekend, like, is his... When he turns it on late in games like that, do you think that's more so out of necessity because of sometimes the lack of production on this Barcelona team? Or do you think, I don't know, I guess I see a difference in run of play goals that Messi just scores naturally on. And then the goals where Messi's like, screw it, I'm going to have to take this on in like the 85th minute and try to do something special to get points here. Like, is his ability to do that, it feels like it has to fade at some point and he won't be able to rescue Barcelona from, you know, games where they don't deserve to win. Like he has, you know, still into this season. Oh, yeah, he picks his spots a lot more. And I think he wants to create for others a lot more. And the game against Aleti was an example of him trying to create for others for 85 minutes and them going, you know what, game is no no. I don't want to lose or I don't want to draw. I'm just going to win this thing. Um, and that ability, I think, may fade away. Um, but now he's such a good free kick taker that even though the open play stuff isn't anywhere, isn't anywhere you know the next in the next two or three years he still has the ability to score a game-winning goal from a free kick which you know is as impressive as a as a usual run of play goal anyway so i think he's transitioning definitely into the midfielders i grew up with because again i'm brazilian um and i grew up watching south american football before i ever became a barcelona fan and the midfielders I grew up with, who are the midfielders Lionel Messi grew up with, they are assist machines who scored game-winning free kicks. Those are the midfielders who made history in South American football. Uh, one example, one of my favorite players ever is Juan Romero Hikelmi, um, one of the best players in the history of South American football. Didn't really work in Europe, including at Barca. But he was one of my favorite players. He, when he, after the age of 30, he made plays for, for others. He created goals. He made assists. And he scored game-winning free kicks in big games. I think that's who Messi wants to be. That's who Messi grew up with. And I think he's becoming that. And it's really interesting to see that transition. Uh, and I don't know how that impacts his ability to win individual awards because... Once you're not focused on scoring anymore, if you have a Gardner team who scores more goals than you, does that make a difference? Um, if you know your team wins the Champions League, for example, and Messi isn't the top scorer in the Champions League, is another guy. Does that guy win the Ballon d'Or, or do we recognize Messi for creating all the goals that hit that guy scored? So it's going to be interesting to see that dynamic. But I think Messi is really really making that transition into more of a midfielder, uh, more of a brainy player who, who makes plays for others and just relies on his brilliance in, in specific moments when he t- his team needs him. And I think that's the guy we're going to see the rest of his career. I don't see uh, the Messi now 
is the Messi I expect to see in like 2021 if he hasn't retired yet. So um, I think that style of player, as proved last season, can still be the best player in the world. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, moving on to a bit more of a uh, kind of a downer topic because I don't know, this is just isn't fun to talk about. Usman Dembele's injury. He is now out till March. He has 58 missed games, like you put in the notes. Is it time to give up on him in terms of Barcelona's future centerpiece? I mean, he's he's young, but these injuries have just continued to be consistent. Uh, the uh, him and Coutinho were kind of thought to be the future pieces. Coutinho said this week, you know, he hopes to stay at Byron. I think most Barcelona fans would hope that he stays at Byron, um, try to recover some of that money. Dembele, they spent a lot of money on him. There are other players in the Barcelona, um, on the Barcelona team that are younger and that have been brought up in Barcelona or brought in for much cheaper prices and have as much of an upside as Dembele, even though Dembele, you know, still shows those flashes. Are you ready to give up on Dembele as Barcelona's future? Okay, let me hear your your take first because I'm I'm really interested in hearing somebody else's opinion about this because I have a very a very kind of settled take on this, but I want to hear what you think first. I think externally, I think you still have to back him. I think internally, you can kind of plan a runway, right? A runway for Dembele's exit to try to recover some of that money because you can't just punt and you can't, you can't give up on him while he's hurt and try to sell him. Like now you have to wait for him to come back, show some games, hopefully March and, you know, March and April, and then try to sell him in the summer or even wait longer than that because they spent so much money on him. They can't just, I mean, again, it's Barcelona and they have so many piles of monies that maybe it just doesn't matter. Um, but if it were me, I would, you know, externally still say he's the future that you're relying on him, but internally create a, you know, some sort of plan to exit the Usman Dembele ramp because despite those flashes and like I saw him in preseason in person. And I remember thinking just how incredible his acceleration was. Like it was something I had never seen on a football pitch or on any other sport. And like, he's special, but he, he clearly can't, stay healthy and so i don't know i think you like i said externally he's the future but internally you 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 plan his exit interesting uh great points um but i think i'm ready um to give up on him and um in our word doc i i i phrased it as is it time to give up on him as versus future because I don't, I don't think you should give up as a Barcelona player yet. I think he has potential to be an important player for us if he ever gets over his injury problems, uh, which obviously is a big question. But some players have had a lot of injury issues early in their career, and they've recovered from that and become very good players. Um so I think that could be the case with Dembele. But as Barcelona's future, which I thought he could be because I was a big fan of him when he came to Borussia Dortmund. I, I almost became a Borussia Dortmund fan because of how much I watched him and how much I watched specifically Dembele and how special he looked. And I really wanted Barca to sign him, but I thought... This guy is perfect for either Bayern Munich or the Premier League. They're going to pounce on him before Barca have a chance. Then the Neymar thing happens, and Barca uh, make a good decision to sign him, and he looks awesome right out of the gate. 
and then he gets injured and then all this really a hell starts and i think it's been long enough and it's been again it's eight total injuries five hamstring injuries on his left leg two hamstring injuries on his right leg one ankle injury it's been enough to tell me that I cannot count on this guy like I can count on Lionel Messi. I know Lionel Messi is going to be there week in, week out, three times a week during Champions League season. And I know he's never going to miss a game. Uh, obviously, he has gotten injured, Messi, uh, like I said. But it's Messi's injuries are usually like a little fluky, like a broken foot. He had a, a ligament tear in his knee missed two months a couple years ago so it's not like muscle injuries because muscle injuries are the bane of the existence for any football player and Messi has never had that muscle issue like Dembele has because if you have muscle issues as a football player especially one of Dembele's speed it really chips away at your speed and you're not the same player anymore because you can't trust your muscles to work properly uh, when you're running. So that's very concerning. And I think for you to be the successor to Leonardo Messi, for you to be the best player on the Barcelona team over the next decade, you have to be there over the next decade. It's a it's a cliche in American sports especially, but to me it's true. The best ability is availability. Uh, and I cannot count on Usman Dembele being available. And if if he doesn't show me that next season, because I don't think you should sell him now, I think you should give him one more season uh, because there's still going to be a year left on this contract after that. So you can still have patience and you're not going to lose money um, after next season if you then decide – it's, it's time to let him go. But if he has to show me next season that he's going to be there every week and he has done everything possible to get over his injury problems, he has become more of a professional player. He takes his recovery seriously. He takes training seriously. He takes care of his body in the right way. Then I can count on him as the future superstar of this team because I, I still think he can be a productive player for us who gets injured every now and then, but he's a reserve, so you're not going to miss him that much because every every team has that guy, right? Every team has a guy who you know is going to be really good, but you can't necessarily count on as your best player because he's going to get injured sometimes. But you're still it's still good to have him on the team. But I, I think I'm ready to give up on him as the future of the club because he has not given me any evidence to trust him to be there every single week. So it's a sad situation because I'm a huge fan. I've always been a huge fan. I still think he has a giant future ahead of him, but I don't think it's going to be a Barca as the guy I thought he could be. Yeah, and I, I think the way you phrase it is right. As Barcelona's future, I didn't, 
I guess the money and the pressure that he's faced, like our lovely president in March said that he was better than Neymar of this year. Um, his appearances in La Liga over the last couple of years, the first year, 17 appearances, last year, 29, this year, only five. Um, his cup appearances are pretty reflective of that as well. It's three, eight and four. Um, He's in his third season at the club, and despite, and I think I think you wrote he missed fifty eight games already. Is it purely based? Is is I guess is this conversation based on the fact that he has faced, you know, people talking him up? You know, Messi's been a little bit more calm about talking him up, but he's definitely praised him. Is the is the pressure coming from the amount of money they spent on him and the way that people like the club's president are talking about him? Like, if he was just a normal twenty two year old, man, he's so young. If he was just a normal twenty two year old, would this even be a conversation or would it just be hey he's injury prone but he has so much potential we just have to wait till his mid-20s and just hold on to him and hope that he can figure this out is it just the money yeah but if if he was just a 22 year old that got injured most of the time he would be Hafinha and we don't think about Hafinha do we we never thought about Hafinha the way we think about Dembele because Hafinha has never given us a reason to believe in him as much as we believe in Dembele he has never shown anywhere near as much potential. So in a way, uh, Dembele's talent has brought this on himself. Because he's so good, we all want him to succeed so much. We hope for him and we get so frustrated. And I think he thinks the same way. He knows how good he is. He knows that people love him and want him to do well. He tries so hard. And it, his body keeps letting him down. And I don't think the president saying he was better than Neymar is necessarily a bad thing. He was talking, he has to talk his guy up. Like Neymar literally just paid to leave the club. You signed Dembele, you're not gonna praise Neymar. You're gonna believe in Dembele. I don't have any problem with what the president said in that specific occasion. Uh, and and I, I did think at the time, uh, and again, it's the injuries, not his play, because he's been brilliant whenever he's played. Uh, his, he had the potential to be as good, if not better, than Neymar. That's not a crazy statement to make at two years ago. But obviously now, with so many injuries and him being in and out of the lineup and uh, obviously, the situation now is different, but I don't think the pressure ne is necessarily bad because he gave us the reason to believe he was that good, and with that comes expectation. Uh, so I don't think it's 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 a bad thing to to expect him to be great and then to be sad that he's injured, and um, I don't want him to be. If if he was a normal twenty two year old, he shouldn't be a Barcelona player because Barcelona can have normal players. We have to have great ones, and I believe he's a great one. But he he just can't stay healthy, which is why this is so frustrating. Yeah, those are good points. Do you does the professionalism conversation matter to you at all? It does. I I I, I don't I don't know how much of it I can I can believe because there's so much he said she said on this whole thing. Yeah. Because I think the club is really frustrated with him as well. So it's easy to kind of, out of frustration, say things that are not really true or that you didn't really mean. And then you get his agent, every time Barca says something, um, he, he he gets back. 
Um, he fires back at Barca. So I don't know how much of this I can believe. But if there's one reporter out there questioning some guy's professionalism, I'm already worried because you never hear reports about professionalism from actual professional players, do you? Like you can, we're going to talk about him uh, next, but Ivan Rakitic, I'm not really a fan anymore, but I'll never question his professionalism. I'll never question how much he cares about the game and playing the game and being available. I never had to question that about him. I never had to question anything from Sergio Roberto, who is another guy a lot of Barca fans don't really like. So, but if you if there's one reporter out there questioning the professionalism of a football player, I'm going to be worried. So it does matter to me. And I think if it's true, it does have everything to do with his injuries because if he doesn't take his recovery 100% percent seriously he's not going to recover a hundred percent it's 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 clear as day so yeah and i for someone so young to have such a meteoric rise and now he's you know considered the centerpiece of barcelona's future that's what he was brought in as he was the neymar replacement that is like a lot of pressure and um he's he's handled it somewhat well i guess you know publicly but the you know the recovery stuff and the way he you know is t- potentially not taking it super seriously is a problem but um we're gonna move on to talk about two other players but before we do thing. that okay uh, go ahead just one more thing you mentioned that uh his reaction and I might be the only one on this, but I, I saw this as a good sign. When he got injured against Dortmund, you could see how frustrated he was. When he got injured, yeah. he took both of his boots off, threw them on the ground, and went off the pitch crying. That showed to me that he cares about this. That showed to me that he cares about getting better and recovering. And maybe that's a sign that he's going to take this seriously, that the 10 weeks he's going to be out now, he's really going to attack this recovery. He's going to get stronger. He's going to get he's going to get less prone to injury, and he's going to work harder to stay healthy. Maybe that's the turning point, where it's the game against his former team where he started brilliantly. He could have been man of the match if he played all 90 minutes because he was that good in the first in the first few minutes against Dortmund. But then he gets injured, and you could see the frustration finally get to him because all the other injuries, he just got off the pitch like, ah, okay, I got injured again. Ah, all right, I'll recover. I'll be back in two months. Now I felt like he was sad. I, I actually could see that, and maybe that's a sign that he's really going to work on not being injured again uh, during the – the next two and a half months. So I hope, I really hope it happens because I really believe in him. Agreed. Um, Before we move on to talk about two of Barcelona's midfielder and their future, we're going to take a quick break. Alrighty, we're back and we want to talk a little bit about Arturo Vidal and Ivan Rakitic. So both of them have had a little bit of a pattern this year of they've both played well in spurts, especially Vidal of late and Rakitic is, you know, at least from when I've seen him pretty consistent, but they've both had a lack of playing time due to the, the, the depth at Barcelona's midfield and the Frankie de Jong renaissance and everything else that goes into that. 
And they've also been a little bit public about their uh, dissatisfaction with their playing time. Do you think they talk about it too much in terms of, you know, whether it's talking about, you know, it would be a dream to play at this club. Like they've both said uh, it would, you know, be great to get some more playing time. Do they talk about it too much? Is it a little bothersome at this point? I mean, there's just so many quotes about how they're sad about playing time and how it would be how it's an honor to have the interest of clubs of the size of Inter Milan, Sevilla, and Atletico Madrid. Uh, both have said those things over the next couple of months. It, as a fan, and again, I'm a fan. I think that's become pretty, that's been pretty clear over the last five years, if anyone reads Barcelona. I'm a fan. And man, is it annoying. I, I'm, why do you talk so much? Like, they're not as good as Frankie Dion and Artur. Clearly not. And Frankie Dion and Artur are rightfully picked ahead of them for the big games. Just accept it. Just work harder to get the job if you really think you 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 believe if you really believe you should have it. Like do your job better. Stop complaining. If 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 our boss Joe Clark, if she decides to hire someone else to produce the podcast, Josh, uh, and I'm not saying that's happening. By the way, it's just a hypothetical. Um, I'm not firing. I'm not firing you on there. By the way, if 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 if, if, if Joe says, okay, we're 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 thinking of hiring a new producer, you're not going to write an article about Brussels Bloggers about hiring not producing many podcasts as as you wanted. You're going to produce the best freaking podcast in all of Aspen Nation. And you're going to prove to Jill that she's wrong, that she shouldn't hire anybody. Am I wrong on this? Well, I'm, I'm going to submit the post, but she's not going to publish it. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> like, am I wrong on this? Why do you complain so much about not playing? Just earn your space. If you're even Rakitic, the coach clearly loves you. He's played you nonstop over the last two, two and a half years. Prove it again that he should keep playing you nonstop. You're not as good as a player anymore. Prove that, you, that you're still as good a player as you think and that you should be playing for the big clubs and you should be starting every week. Don't talk about it. Can I play devil's advocate for a second? So yes, please. I guess if I'm Ivan Rakitic, right, and... You know, I see my time at Barcelona as a starting midfielder is waning. If I don't speak up, because you know, I in the past he's been a quiet personality. If I don't speak up and make a show of this, they're just going to let me be a guy who comes in late in games or plays cup matches or something for the next two years or whenever. I can't I can't remember when his contract ends. I think it's closer than that. But they're just gonna they're just gonna let me kind of fade away if I don't speak up and make a show of this. I'm not going to get transferred out, and I'm going to waste. You know the you know he's obviously passed his you know he's not a spring chicken anymore but he's gonna you know potentially just spend the next year and a half or whatever it is just kind of sitting and waiting if he doesn't speak up and complain and make a show about how he's not getting playing time he's not going to get a january transfer cool he's not talking uh, uh sorry cool he's talking how does that work for him not great so why is he talking it's not working so why are you talking work harder be better earn your spot you know what he did against Borussia Dortmund? He earned his spot in the Atletico Madrid match because Sergio Busquets was suspended for the Atletico Madrid match. So he knew he got the start against Dortmund. He knew that if he played well, 
he would earn his place to play against Atleti. Guess what? He played well in both matches, and now he should start the next game against Mallorca. That's how it works. But then he starts two games in a row, plays well, and still talks about not playing. What are you doing? And Arturo Vidal, I love him, okay? I love him. I think he's one of the most underrated signings we've ever made. But he's he loves to talk, that guy. Like, he got to Barca last year. He didn't play for the first two months. And he complained after two months that he wasn't starting. You've been at the club for two months. What are you talking? I don't like this. I don't like this. I'll never like players who complain about their playing time because they're putting themselves in front of the team. And I'm always, I'm always thinking about the team. I always think the team is the most important thing. And if if you're as experienced as Ivan Rakitic is, you're one of the leaders in the locker room. Everybody knows this. When you go to the press and you talk about how you're not playing and you're one of the leaders in the locker room, that diminishes your leadership. You're not as valuable to the team anymore because they know you don't care about them as much as you care about yourself. And that stuff matters to me. I so, like this. This is like a very Skip Bayless-y rant of you. Um, do you... Will you, One, will you miss... Which one would you miss more? Vidal or Rakitic if they left? And which one do you think the club would miss more? Depends when they get sold. If they get sold like in January, I would actually miss both because I think there's a place for both. Mm-hmm. Still. But if they're sold in the summer and we bring someone like Fabian Ruiz and we give Carlos Salenia more playing time and and Ricky Puig more playing time, I don't think we'd miss those guys at all because I think those three players are, I mentioned are better with a better future ahead of them because they're younger with more potential. So if it happens next month, I think it's a problem. But if it doesn't, if, if, it, if, if it happens in the summer, I don't think I'm going to miss them um, next season. So. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it, especially when you're coming down the home stretch. Injuries are going to happen. Fatigue is going to happen, especially with, you know, despite De Jong being there, it is still a bit of an older midfield. If you had to pick one to keep in January, who would you keep? Oh, let me think. Uh, I feel like it's Vidal. Really? I, I was so nice to Rakitic right now. Um, no, I mean, give, my, 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 my personal preference is I like Rakitic more. I think he's better. But I think for this Barcelona team and for a lack of distraction, I can't believe I'm saying Vidal's a, less of a distraction than even Rakitic. But I I think he fits with them better for what um, for what they want from him. Yeah, and I think he's a better player, period. So I would take him in a heartbeat. Uh-huh. Um, and I know I'm not doing myself any favors with what we're about to talk about, but I think Vidal is a better player. He's more important tactically to the team. And if he started against Dortmund in Atletico Madrid instead of Rakitic, he would be just as good because I think he's a better player. So sorry for sorry for picking a guy over the. No. So <laughs> heading into your last question in the rundown, um, I, I guess, you know, prevencing this, I guess, Lidi, before this season, I think 
and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I think you would have said and most Barcelona fans would have said that Rakitic was one of the more underrated and favorite Barcelona players of the last few years. He's contributed incredible amounts to the club. He's been an unbelievable catalyst to their success. Has this season's kind of complaining and lack of playing time in the public quotes, has it made you hate Ivan Rakitic? Yeah, I put that question there. It's just a cheeky remark. Uh, because I got this question from from um, one of the readers of Barça Blogrenes, because just to just to preface, uh, just to give some context, in one of the episodes of the podcast, when I was talking about Fabian Ruiz, I mentioned that in order for him to come to Barça, Barça would have to get rid of Rakitic, and apparently, get rid was a very offensive way of talking about Rakitic. And because of that, I disrespect Rakitic and I hate him, according to that one Barcelona reader. So i like to address that reader. I don't know if it's a, it's a man or a woman, but so that's why I'm calling that, that reader a reader. I don't hate Rakitic. Even though I've criticized them heavily right now, I understand everything he's done for us. I, I've, I've uh, said multiple times on BarcelonaBlogueras.com that he's one of the most underrated players in the history of the club. And the criticism he got in his entire Barca career from a lot of fans was not warranted. Just because he's not Xavi doesn't mean he's not good. That's what I've always said. But at some point, players are no longer good enough. You know who realized he wasn't good enough anymore for Barca? Xavi. He left. You know who realized he wasn't good enough for Barca? Iniesta. He left. They re- themselves realized they weren't good enough and they won- They didn't want to embarrass themselves and ruin their legacy, so they decided themselves to leave. Do I you think Ivan Rakitic is better than Xavi or Iniesta, reader? Do you think that Xavi or Iniesta are worse than Rakitic? They have a lesser legacy? If they are no longer good enough and they are okay with leaving... Rakitic should be too. And I'm sorry if get rid is the most offensive thing you've ever heard in your life, but I'm sorry. I don't think he's good enough anymore. He was really good for four, for five years. The first three years of Luis Enrique, the, the, the next two years, the all three years of Luis Enrique, sorry, in the first two years of Valverde, he was awesome especially the first three years under Luis Enrique. He was a special, special player. Not in terms of talent, in, in terms of brilliance, just how much he loved playing for Barca, how much he cared, how how much he wanted to work hard, and all the holes and all the gaps that he filled as a midfielder in a, in a team that was way unbalanced. Because Messi started to play in the middle, we had no cover on the right side, because we didn't have a real right back. So he played right winger, even though he's a central midfielder. And he was awesome, and he was committed, and he loved playing for Barca. But he's no longer good enough. And I have the right to say that he's no longer good enough, and I have the right to ask him 
politely to please no longer play for my club because people who are better than you, who have a better legacy than you, they decided by themselves that they were not good enough. And I and I and I thought Iniesta was no longer good enough, and I said it. And it wasn't a disrespect. People didn't think I was disrespecting Iniesta. So why is it a disrespect to Rakitic? I don't understand. Why did all of a sudden Rakitic become Lionel Messi Croatian? I don't understand that. I really don't. Oh, I love it. Okay, so... Let me ask you a question, Josh. I'm not done. <laughs> What's your favorite, I don't know, NBA, NFL team? Give, it, give me your, your teams. Me or are are you still talking to the reader? Or are you talking to me? To you, Josh. To me. Uh, well, I'm from Detroit, so uh, I like the Pistons. Unfortunately. Okay, so when Chauncey Billups was no longer good enough, did you want? Did you think it was better if he left? Uh, well, they, they they traded him too early. He was still good, but um, I guess. Listen, club legends leaving the team, whether it's a you know your football team or your favorite basketball team or whatever, is always difficult. Okay, who's and the, who's R- the Rakitic is not a club legend. <laughs> who is the Pistons player who who was there for too long? Who you thought, okay, this guy should have gone, but because he was a either a legend or a really good player, he he stuck around. I think I'd have you to mean, go back to like the '90s when I was born, but I remember reading in the past that like Isaiah Thomas might have stayed a bit too long. But Isaiah Thomas was a legend, so you can yes. put up with that. Yes. Even Rakitic is not a legend. He's not. He's a great servant. He's won big things for us. He's done great. He's not a legend. He's not a legend. And just because I think a guy who's not a legend, who is no longer good enough, should no longer play for Barcelona, that doesn't mean I hate him. I hope we're clear on that. Yeah, I... I think we're clear. All right. So <laughs> before we head out, I did want to quickly read over Barcelona's schedule. So today is December 4th, a Wednesday when we were recording this. Over the next two weeks, Barcelona have four matches leading into the December 18th match against Real Madrid. They play in, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Malorsa. Is that how you pronounce it? Mallorca. Mallorca. Dang, I did this last time. All right, so they play Mallorca, and then they have the Inter Milan match, which doesn't matter as much as we uh, potentially thought it would. And then they have that brutal match away at Real Sociedad, leading into the Real Madrid match. Before we head out, any quick thoughts, any quick notes on the next two weeks of Barcelona's schedule before we get into, um, you know, they're not into it yet, but heading into it, what are some quick notes for Valverde because he needs them on how he can plan ahead for these next two weeks? Please leave. (laughs) That's my note. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Is is it a disrespect? Is it a disrespect? Can I say we need to get rid of Valverde? Why do you hate Valverde? Anyone going to disagree with me there? Why do you hate him? (laughs) Club legend, Ernesto Valverde. Okay. I I don't have anything else, Renato. You sound exhausted. Do you have anything else? I don't hate Rakitic. I just don't think it's good enough. Somebody cut my microphone. All right. I think we're good. All right. So everyone, enjoy the football this weekend. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Barcelona Gunners podcast. Subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts so that this can be the best Barcelona podcast that at least some people listen to. And we will see you all next time. Thanks. Oh.